We light this candle as a sign of the coming light of Christ. Advent means coming. We are preparing for the full coming of Christ's kingdom. Isaiah 2 verse 4 tells us, the nations shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war anymore. Welcome to Worship Creston Church. We've been praying for you as you gather for worship in your various listening and watching places. We pray that each one of you will have an encounter with our living God. The good news for us today is that the living God is here and he's there wherever you are in each of your many different places. If this is the first time that you've joined us for worship, welcome. You can find out more about our church by visiting the website, crestonchurch.org. Feel free to send us an email if you'd like us to get in touch with you. Today is the first Sunday of Advent, which means waiting. While we remember Israel's waiting and hoping, and we give thanks for Christ's birth, we also anticipate his second coming at the end of time. For this reason, Advent began centuries ago as a penitential season, a time for discipline and intentional repentance in the confident expectation and hope of Christ's coming again. Here at Creston Church during this Advent season, we'll be focusing on the theme of prepare the way. You can find the order of worship in today's email. It contains everything you need to participate fully in the service, including responsive readings and singing. So be bold, sing out loud, speak out loud, join with everyone else who's watching. Even though we're in our separate physical locations, God recognizes our corporate worship together that we offer to him. Now, as we continue our worship, I invite you to stand in body or in spirit, perhaps to stretch out your hands as a visible sign of receiving God's greeting right along with everyone else who is watching and listening. My friends, as we journey through this season of Advent, may the love of God the Father, the grace of Jesus Christ the Son, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be and abide with us all. And we say together, Amen. Please join me for our morning prayer. Faithful God, we wait for you to come. We know that you will because you have already come and because you promised to return. While we wait, send your spirit so that we may grow in grace. Prepare us for your coming, Lord. Amen.
Oh God, we live, live as if the light had never defeated the darkness in the world or in us. And the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. We confess that we ignore the Christ you sent to be among us, to be in us. For behold, darkness shall cover the earth, but the Lord will rise upon you, and his glory will be seen upon you. We've kept the birth of your son confined for the Christmas season, and do not yearn for his birth each moment in our waiting, waiting hearts. And nations shall come to your life, and kings to the brightness of your right. Lord, you came to us in the fullness of time. Forgive us for not opening our eyes to your coming. It's time we prepare for your coming. It's time we prepare for time we prepare for your coming. Let the earth ring with song. Let the light break forth. Let us all rejoice in the miracle of love. Let Christ come into the fullness of our time. Amen. The Song of Confession is O Christ, the Lamb of God. I'm going to be playing just the cello part, so if you want to sing along at home, that would be great. after me. Thanks be to God. Our worship also includes our offering. As we've been just reminded once again of God's grace toward us, our best response is to offer our whole lives back to God. Offering money is just one very special way that we can do that. During these times of being apart from each other, you may give your gifts using the postal system or our online giving process, making sure to clearly designate which causes you'd like your offering to be shared with. The deacons are very pleased to acknowledge your faithful and consistent giving to Creston Church. They encourage you also to consider our special offerings that are listed in the Friday email every week. Today's special offering is for Creston's Christian Education Fund. Our weekly offering is for the other ministries of our church and our denomination. What God has called us to do here as a church in this neighborhood and city and what God has called us to do 
all around the world as a denomination. May God bless you in your giving. Please remember to check that Friday email. It contains lots of information for you about our church family and the ongoing ministries of Creston Church. Here are some items in the most recent edition of the Friday email. There's an update from the Pastor Search Committee, an all-congregational Advent activity to decorate fabric stones like this one. You may pick up fabric stones and instructions from a container that's on the front porch of the Ministry Center. You can find details about the Nativity Trail on Sunday, December 13, including a request for heaters. There's information about online access to an at-home Advent kit. You'll see in the email also information about the various activities and resources for our children and youth. There's information about the congregational meeting on Saturday, December 12th. Information about the services of Pine Rest. Some online Advent worship opportunities from Calvin University. God bless you for making use of the many special ways that, you, that are available for you to serve God and our communities, as well as to enjoy some fellowship with some very small fellowship groups of God's people here at Creston Church. Creston is a praying church, so always feel free to share any prayer concerns with us so that we may hold you up in prayer before our God. If we're willing to pay attention, we can see God at work in many ways. Be sure to share a God story with us by sending an email or making a video of your special experiences. Now I invite you to join me for the prayer of the people. God of the future, you are coming in power to bring all nations and all people under the rule of your Lordship through Jesus Christ. We know about, believe in, and hope for that future advent of the kingdom because we know about, believe in, and find as the source of all hope your first advent in Bethlehem. As we enter into this new season today, help us to be expectant people. Bend our thoughts and aspirations beyond the moment, beyond what we can see in front of us at any given time. Although we want to do our daily tasks well and to your glory right now, help us to be people who also look ahead, who peer around various cosmic corners and who know that the ultimate things of existence in this universe are the things that have been secured for us through Jesus and that are real already now in the kingdom he established. During Advent, we sing about our having open hearts for you to enter. May we, by the grace of your spirit, be open indeed, Father. Make us open to the ways your kingdom can influence our decision-making at work, at school, and at home. Make us open toward others, enabling us to see each and every person we meet as Jesus in our midst. Make us open to opportunities to serve others, 
to serve your whole creation out of devotion to you and to your Son, who showed us what true service is all about when he came down into a virgin's womb to salvage the universe you fashioned in the beginning. As peoples whose, people whose hearts are open indeed, we make petition this morning for your needy world. This Advent season sees once again a world of wars and rumors of wars, a world of violence and terrorism that strikes the unsuspecting. It is easy, O oh God, for us to see why this world needs saving. But sometimes it's not so easy to believe that in Christ it has already been saved. Beyond the glitter and goodwill and cozy warmth of the Christmas season, Father, help us as Christians to find in Jesus' birth long ago a true reason for hope in this present moment. And then lead us to be workers for peace, bearers of shalom, agents of healing in this world gone mad. Here in this place, you see the needs and hurts of our members during this new holiday season. Make your presence known to those who continue to be saddened by the death of their loved ones. Continue to strengthen and heal those who are struggling with illness. Stand close to anyone here today who struggles. Encourage all of our students as they continue their studies throughout this season. Be with a parent today who has real cause for alarm over the course of a child's life that they seem to be taking. Lift the clouds of depression from those who wrestle so mightily with their emotions. Minister to those who have chronic pain and give them some relief, we pray. Lead to a better time those who are unemployed right now, who are worried about family finances and who wonder what the new year may hold. Grant that the coming weeks and months will hold new and good and wonderful things for those who seek a meaningful outlet for the gifts you have given them. Give your support and wisdom to all of us as we continue to navigate the challenges of the pandemic. We pray for strength for all those who keep on giving of themselves to provide care and support services to those who are significantly impacted by the ravages of the virus. You alone see us as we are, Lord God. So we beg for you to nurture us according to our needs, to minister to us according to our hurts, to heal us in all those places where you see that we are broken or sick. But despite whatever happens in our lives or whatever is going on at this present moment in our various hearts and minds, still we do adore you, God of wonder and God of glory. We worship you. We lay our hearts open before you. Our hearts are open. Be born in us anew this day so that every day we may spread the increase of your peace. In Jesus, the Prince of Peace, we pray. Amen.
our children have the opportunity to join in on their own children's worship video. Let's share this blessing of God with each other and with our children, saying all together, the Lord be with you and also with you. It is our privilege to gather around God's word once again today. The text for today's message comes from the book of Isaiah. We used the book of Isaiah as a starting place last Sunday, but I think you can find it. It's right about in the middle of your Bible. The book of Isaiah, written by the prophet Isaiah. We're going to be reading chapter 40 today, the entire chapter. So find your Bibles, find your gadget, and turn to Isaiah chapter 40. Please join me in prayer. God of the universe, revealed to us in Holy Scripture, through the writings of the prophets and the preaching of John the Baptist, you have called us to prepare our hearts for your visitation. Ready us now to hear your word and to respond as faithful servants to the glory of Christ. Amen. Now, I didn't tell you exactly that we are going to read at the very beginning, because we're not. We're going to read the text in just a moment. This chapter, however, is full of phrases that we might recognize from a variety of expressions. The oratorio, the Messiah, uses many of these verses from Isaiah chapter 40. The lyrics of quite a few other songs also come from this chapter. You might even see some of these verses imprinted on all sorts of merchandise, like t-shirts and greeting cards, coffee mugs, and tote bags. Today, we're going to read Isaiah chapter 40 in its entirety. Here's how it fits in with the rest of the book of Isaiah. The book of Isaiah is comprised of two main sections. The first section includes chapters 1 through 39 and is often called the Book of Judgment. Most of the events that are described in this first section take place during Isaiah's lifetime. He lived during the reign of King Hezekiah, about 100 years before the southern kingdom of Judah was carried off into captivity to Babylon. Chapter 40, our text for today, is the beginning of the second section of Isaiah. It's often called the Book of Comfort. The events that Isaiah describes in this second section actually take place way in the future, toward the end of the time of captivity, and nearly 150 years after Isaiah's death. This particular chapter is a little bit lengthy, so here are some things you might want to take note of as we read. Maybe you'd like to jot them down. Chapter 40 begins with a command from God to comfort his people. Verses 3 through 11 tell of three separate voices that describe that comfort. And then verses 12 to the end of the chapter are filled with questions that prompt us to think about our almighty God. Isaiah chapter 40. 
Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and proclaim to her that her hard service has been completed, that her sin has been paid for, that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. A voice of one calling, in the wilderness prepare the way for the Lord, make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be raised up, every mountain and hill be made low, the rough ground shall become level, the rugged places a plain, and the glory of the Lord will be revealed, and all people will see it together, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. A voice cries out, a voice says, cry out. And I said, what shall I cry? All people are like grass, and all their faithfulness is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers and the flowers fall because the breath of the Lord blows on them. Surely the people are grass. The grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of our God endures forever. You who bring good news to Zion, go up on a high mountain. You who bring good news to Jerusalem, lift up your voice with a shout. Lift it up. Do not be afraid. Say to the towns of Judah, here is your God. See, the sovereign Lord comes with power and he rules with a mighty arm. See, his reward is with him and his recompense accompanies him. He tends his flock like a shepherd. He gathers the lambs in his arms and carries them close to his heart. He gently leads those that have young. Who has measured the waters in the hollow of his hand, or with the breadth of his hand marked off the heavens? Who has held the dust of the earth in a basket, or weighed the mountains on the scales and the hills in a balance? Who can fathom the spirit of the Lord, or instruct the Lord as his counselor? Whom did the Lord consult to enlighten him, and who taught him the right way? Who was it that taught him knowledge or showed him the path of understanding? Surely the nations are like a drop in a bucket. They are regarded as dust on the scales. He weighs the islands as though they were fine dust. Lebanon is not sufficient for altar fires, nor its animals enough for burnt offerings. Before him, all the nations are as nothing. They are regarded by him as worthless, less than nothing. With whom, then, will you compare God? To what image will you liken him? As for an idol, a metal worker casts it, and a goldsmith overlays it with gold and fashions silver chains for it. A person too poor to present such an offering selects wood that will not rot. They look for a skilled worker to set up an idol that will not topple. Do you not know? Have you not heard? Has it not been told you from the beginning? Have you not understood since the earth was founded? He sits enthroned above the circle of the earth and its people are like grasshoppers. He stretches out the heavens like a canopy and spreads them out like a tent to live in. He brings peace, princes to naught and reduces the rulers of this world to nothing. No sooner are they planted, no sooner are they sown, no sooner do they take root in the ground, 
Then he blows on them and they wither, and a whirlwind sweeps them away like chaff. To whom will you compare me? Or who is my equal? says the Holy One. Lift up your eyes and look to the heavens. Who created all these? He who brings out the starry host one by one and calls forth each of them by name. Because of his great power and mighty strength, not one of them is missing. Why do you complain, Jacob? Why do you say, Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord, my cause is disregarded by my God? Do you not know? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary, and his understanding no one can fathom. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Even youths grow tired and weary, and young men stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. It's about 525 BC and the people of Judah are stuck in the land of Babylon. Today we call it Iraq. It is not their land. Their land, including the city of Jerusalem, is some 500 miles away to the west, and it lies in ruins. For the last 50 years or so, they've been prisoners of the Babylonians. The people of Judah are a people without a place to call their own. It wasn't as if they did not have any warning about being hauled away to, as prisoners to Babylon. Their very own books of Moses have many references to the possibility of this happening to them. Take, for example, Leviticus 26. Way back when they were in the desert with Moses, God threatened them with destruction and captivity if they turned away from him and worshiped other gods. So here they are enduring this punishment because they actually did turn away from God. They did not worship other gods and God did not follow through on his threat. God removed them from their most precious possession, the land of Israel. He's letting them be ruled over by foreign powers. They're doing hard labor. In fact, Isaiah says that they are paying double for all their sins. Life in captivity is the absolute pits. There's no freedom. They have nothing to call their own. They are not able to make any decisions about the details of their lives. For more than 50 years, God's chosen people are stuck. They're searching for relief, for rescue. But there appears to be no hope, no solution to their predicament. At times, our lives are no different either. We may find ourselves suffering from the results of poor decisions or sinful behavior, 
we may find ourselves having to deal with the pain, sadness, and difficulty of living in a broken world. We may wonder how and when or if we'll ever be able to experience deliverance from these challenges in our lives. And more often than not, these struggles may last a long time, maybe even a lifetime. How are we supposed to deal with it all? A few years ago, one of my friends and his wife gave birth to their stillborn daughter, Charity. At the doctor's office just one day earlier, they heard a strong heartbeat. But when labor began the next day, there was no heartbeat. And little Charity's life ended before she was born. These first-time parents were in the throes of disappointment and grief. They were full of confusion and were crying out to God. Their hearts were breaking and they wondered how to face the future. They were hurting so much. Today, right at the beginning of Advent, we've got a boatload of troubles filling our lives. All of us are impacted by the restrictions of COVID-19, including this very format of worshiping together while apart. For some of us, the challenges related to the pandemic are even more intense and are hitting close to home. Our neighborhoods and our nations struggle with the many evil results of racism. And we yearn for peace and settledness following our elections. All of us face tough times just like the Israelites in Babylon. But also included in that same chapter 26 of Leviticus is God's promise to remember his covenant if they humble their hearts after they experience the punishment for their sin. Isaiah remembers these promises in the opening words of this chapter by fast forwarding to the end of the Israelites' captivity. He records God's future command. Comfort, comfort my people. When God says comfort twice, it's like saying comfort greatly, comfort a whole bunch. God says to speak tenderly, to make an announcement to the people that their hard labor has come to an end. These announcements come in the form of some voices of comfort. One voice says in verse three, to get ready for the Lord. This is the foundation for our theme during Advent, prepare the way. The Lord is coming in a great procession. All the nations, including Babylon, will be able <clears throat> to see the glory of the Lord as he rescues his people. In verse six, another voice of comfort says that people and nations are just like grass that withers and dies. When God does his powerful rescue of his people, the nations will not survive. He is in charge. One final comforting voice in verse nine makes the announcement of the arrival of the Lord. 
This voice is shouting. This voice is not afraid. This voice brings good news to Judah. This voice calls out so that everyone can hear. Here is your God. This God is called the Sovereign Lord. He is the reigning monarch and he rules with a mighty arm. But this God is also very gentle. He treats his people as if they are mother sheep with brand new little lambs. However, Israel is still in captivity, still in trouble. What if they don't buy into or believe what these voices have to say about the comfort that is being offered by this king? Maybe they need something more. Maybe they need some evidence or some logic. Here's where Isaiah knows just how to help them trust in God's comfort. He begins in verse 12 to list God's credentials and accomplishments. And he does it by asking questions. We call them rhetorical questions. Rhetorical questions have only one very obvious answer. On God's resume, creation is item number two, coming only after item number one, the accomplishment of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Check out some of what Isaiah has to say about God's creation. Water covers three quarters of the earth's surface. God holds it all in the palm of his hand. That same hand can span the expanse of the sky. That hand can hold all the contents of the universe. That hand can put the mountains on a scale. No one else can do that. And what about God's mind? the thoughts behind everything that he created. Well, if he made it all, then he certainly understands it all. He came up with the idea for every single thing, living and non-living, and why he even made any of them in the first place. Just think of all these parts of creation that are included in our text. Islands, in the middle of the waters, fire, gold, and silver, living trees that supply building materials, human beings, stars that travel on their own unique paths. As the song says, the Lord God made them all. What an imagination. To each of Isaiah's questions, the Israelites can only logically say, the one who created all of this and so much more. He is our God. It's the same answer that Isaiah gives in verse 28. The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. Now who could possibly be stronger than the one who made the universe? Do you think that the creator of the universe would ever get tired out? Of course not. Not if he's powerful enough to make it all in the first place. 
So now, in addition to the voices, Isaiah comes full circle with another expression of comfort in verse 29. This creator God is strong enough to pass on his strength to his people, the ones who are languishing in captivity in the land of Babylon. If Israel once again puts their hope in the creator of this complex and amazing universe, he will equip them with the strength to endure their troubles like the eagles. And guess what? In the New Testament, God continues to proclaim even more of those good tidings that verse 9 refers to. The angel in Luke 2 brings good news of great joy that will be for all the people a Savior, Christ the Lord. Luke uses the phrase good news 18 different times throughout his gospel and the book of Acts to describe the salvation that comes through Jesus Christ. Luke quotes Paul in Acts 14 as saying, turn to the living God who made heaven and earth and the sea and everything in them. The creator God is also the one who provides the way of salvation from sin that separated sinners from God. What a comfort that is. The word comfort is an interesting one. When I think about being comforted or comfortable, I usually think of something soft, maybe like this baby blanket. Many of us, as little ones, were able to be comforted as long as we had our favorite blanket. The word comfort comes from two words in Latin, with and fortitude, which means strength. Comfort is all about strength and fortitude, not just softness, being hugged. When God says, comfort my people, in verse 1, we can connect it to the very end of the chapter. Our powerful creator God comforts us by giving us strength. He gives comfort with strength for the weary. God gives comfort with power for the weak. For everyone who is tired, stumbling, falling, faint, and discouraged, God gives comfort by giving strength. So when I prayed for comfort for my friends whose baby died, I prayed that God would give them strength and power to endure this profound sadness. Our Creator God helps us deal with our own situations of challenges in just the same way. He comforts us by giving us strength and fortitude when we're suffering from the results of poor decisions or sinful behavior. He comforts us by giving us strength and fortitude when we find ourselves in the middle of pain, sadness, and the difficulty of living in a broken world. Even in these times of pandemic and the pain of racism, our Creator God comforts us.
But even if it's not always front and center in our hearts and minds all the time, what we really need comfort for is the mess that sin makes out of our lives. Maybe we don't always recognize its awful influence, but left unattended, sin separates us from that comfort that only our God can give in eternity. When we put our hope in him to take away our sin, our powerful creator God provides the ultimate comfort through the death and resurrection of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Advent gives us an opportunity to remember this comfort and focus on that time when Jesus will come again to make all things right and new again in our world and in our hearts. That's why when the Catechism asks, what is your only comfort or fortitude or strength in life and in death? We can add, answer with confidence that we are not our own, but belong body and soul in life and in death to our faithful Savior, Jesus Christ. To be comforted is to be fortified and strengthened, and our Creator God is our greatest comfort. Amen. Let's pray together. Creator God, we bless you for the gift of your word. We give you thanks for the strength and fortitude of your comfort. Comfort us with the awareness and knowledge that we belong to our faithful Savior, Jesus Christ. We pray now for the grace to believe what we have heard and to live in ways that honor you above all. Through Christ our Lord, amen. Our song of response will be led only by Kathy playing the piano. Please join her in singing along after her brief introduction.
My friends, we've come to the end of our time of worship together. And now I invite you to sit up a little straighter in your chair, perhaps stand in body or in spirit, stretch out your hands to receive God's parting blessing. May the God of peace himself sanctify you entirely. And may your spirit and soul and body be kept sound and blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The one who calls you is faithful, and he will do this. Amen.